Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Film with CJ. My name is CJ, my pronouns are they, them. This week, we're talking about a period piece, we're talking about a play, we're talking about a Shakespearean play, which was most recently adapted into a movie last year in 2021, Um, but it was a very, in my opinion, limited release, Um, but it was done by A24. I hope you know by now, or maybe you don't know because I haven't really reviewed too many movies um, on here from a by a24 because um there haven't been too many done recently but i'm obsessed with a24 i think pretty much everything they touch is gold um and i i really just enjoy um how they make movies i think there's definitely a specific style to an a24 movie and i'm i love darker themed movies um and a24 tends to do a lot of those um so here we are today i want to talk about the tragedy of macbeth um that came out in 2021 um starring denzel washington and francis forget her name hold on let me look it up francis mcdormand is her name so denzel washington and francis mcdormand are the two main characters of this play slash movie. I think like most people or many people, we read a bunch of Shakespearean works um, in high school and pretty much haven't really touched them after that. Um, That's the case for me. Um, I don't even know if we read The Tragedy of Macbeth. Um, uh, Maybe we did. Maybe we did. But we definitely read Othello. We definitely read Romeo and Juliet. Like, those were kind of the the big three I think that we spent the most time on in high school. I have my own thoughts about Shakespeare and his writing style, um, but I'll save those for a little bit later in the episode. But I think this movie pretty well, pretty follows the play, the original work pretty well, with the exception of one detail, which I'll talk about later. But The Tragedy of Macbeth if you don't know, is about a Scottish lord, a Scottish general, who receives a prophecy from three witches that he is going to become the next king of Scotland. Um, And it's about what him and his wife do to fulfill that prophecy and about the guilt and or feelings and or madness that ensues due to the consequences of their actions. For this episode, I think I'm going to have some spoilers in this episode, so take this as a warning. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers are to come. If you haven't read the play, I don't know what to tell you. It's been out for like a couple hundred years, so um, get with it or get lost. But I feel like because so much of this movie revolves around the plot, um, because the dialogue is, you know, not plain English kind of hard to talk about the movie and or the play without talking about like what's happened because if you're like me I think Shakespeare was unnecessarily difficult to understand I think he goes out of his way to be a like difficult to understand um but I'm pretty sure there's some theories out there that the man was gay so if that is if there's any truth to that 
it makes sense why he would be like, oh, I'm posh and fucking artsy and I'm just gonna be fucking difficult because I can because let's be honest, a lot of white gay men do that. <laughs> Especially in the art scene, like there's a lot of white gay men that are just like un like unnecessarily elevated because they can be and it doesn't matter if anyone understands them because they're an artist or a writer or whatever and that's not even a dig at white gay men it's just some of y'all just be out here being difficult because you want to and that's you know that's fine not for me but that's fine so again spoilers are coming um if you don't want to be in the complete dark about this movie um keep listening but if you do want to be in complete dark of the movie for the movie I don't know why you would because I think me personally I think whatever details I can get about a Shakespearean work before I go into it the better because again I just think he's kind of hard to understand and I like to read <laughs> and I think he's a hard to understand um, so if you want to get a little bit of understanding about the plot, about the characters before watching the movie or reading the play, keep listening, um, cause it helped me out, honestly. So like I said in the beginning, the tragedy of Macbeth is about a Scottish lord slash general, um, who is walking back from battle in Ireland and stumbles across a witch, um, who gives him a prophecy that he is going to become the next king of Scotland. And he's like, no fucking way. They're like, yeah, I'll hail the next king of Scotland. They also say that to the man that is with him, with um, Macbeth, is going to father a line of kings. And that is important because of what happens later in the play. So just know the, witch say to make, the witches say to Macbeth, all hail the next king of Scotland. You will be the next king of Scotland. And they also say to the person who is with him that, I can't remember what the title, the title was of the person who was with him, but some other man, military man, who is close to Macbeth personally and professionally, that he will father a line of kings. So after he was after Macbeth receives that prophecy, he sends a letter home to his wife. And mind you, both Macbeth and the Lady of Macbeth are older in age. And Macbeth sends a letter to his wife detailing the prophecy he got from the, the witches and basically celebrating the fact that despite their old age, they're going to have a taste of being royalty. And the Lady of Macbeth is overjoyed. Um, both Macbeth and the Lady of Macbeth pretty much never thought that they would ascend to any sort of royalty level. When Macbeth returns home to his wife, his wife convinces him that he needs to remove all threats to Macbeth and to her um, that could prevent them from assuming a royal title. And more specifically, the Lady of Macbeth convinces Macbeth to kill the king. Macbeth kind of doesn't want to do it. Um, he is 
kind of seen as the king's right-hand man um, because of who he was as a general. And so he kind of struggles with that loyalty aspect of it. But the Lady of Macbeth is like, no, like we're going to invite the king over for dinner um, and we will get the king alone in his bedroom. We'll get his soldiers drunk so they don't know what's going on. And you go in and you kill him and then we'll blame two drunk soldiers because they'll have no idea what the fuck has happened. And then we'll pretend like we are mourning the king's death. So all of this comes to pass and Macbeth is crowned the king of Scotland and he pretty much is like, well, the witch's prophecy was true. Like, can't help but think that like what these witches were saying was true. Now we as audience members, as readers, as viewers are thinking, well, that's pretty much the power of suggestion. Like he pretty much had a supernatural entity come to him and say this is going to happen and so he made it happen and I think that is definitely an underlying theme of this play and of this movie is that how much of it is fate and how much of it is your your personal actions that don't have anything to do with fate so now Macbeth starts to become consumed with guilt he starts seeing hallucinations he starts um getting haunted by this thumping sound he starts seeing ravens that won't leave him alone he's very clearly unwell he's acting out in front of um guests that he has over at his house lady Macbeth is trying to calm them or calm him and show like her guests that no like he's okay he's just under stress from being the king of scotland yada 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 like this is your king and it's not working there are very clearly there are people in in their house that are like yo this dude's like fucking crazy like what the fuck is going on now here's where we get back to the beginning when the prophecy was told to Macbeth and the man who was with him his his fellow soldier I can't I'm trying to think of the title that they used in the movie for this guy that was with him but basically the guy who was told that he would be the father of a line of kings Macbeth is now ruled by this paranoia and this anxious feeling that someone is going to come along and threaten him for the throne and he wants to do whatever he can to prevent that last part of the prophecy from coming true so against you know what against the loyalty and against you know the personal friendship that he had with this man he hires a bunch of thugs to go after this man and kill him and his son this effort was unsuccessful he killed you know his companion but he was not successful in killing his companion's son Macbeth wants to talk to the witches again he's like pretty much like what do I do now I'm the king of Scotland but what do I do now he talks to the witches again and they reveal to him that no one who has been born of a woman is a threat to you which and so Macbeth takes that and he's like well it's impossible to not be born of a woman so no one is a threat to me and this he's on cloud nine when he hears this he's so confident he's like okay I'm gonna be king king like I got this like no one is touching me now if we go back to when Macbeth actually killed the king of Scotland there was a character, another general, who was fighting on the king's side. 
who suspect who suspected that Macbeth was the one who killed the king but never did anything about it and his name was Macduff I know this is another reason why I I'm hesitant to like <laughs> to like Shakespeare because I feel like the names are similar the places are too complicated the dialogue is very hard to understand but anyway there's a general, another general who suspected Macbeth was the one who killed the King of Scotland, and his name is Macduff. So now that Macbeth has been named the King of Scotland, he's sitting in the throne, he has ruling power, etc., etc., Macbeth realizes that Macduff is a threat to him. And so because of this, Macbeth sends his soldiers to where Macduff has escaped to in England, I believe, and kills his family is is looking for him but kills his wife and children burns down their house um because Macbeth knows that Macduff is a threat to the power that Macbeth has meanwhile the lady of Macbeth is also kind of descending into madness she's sleepwalking she's talking to herself um she's kind of acting weird in front of the the staff in in their castle um she's like like obsessively washing her hands um and i think that is supposed to be a metaphor of like washing her hands of the blood that she's spilled um she's like pulling out her hair she's not taking care of herself like everybody knows that something is wrong with her and she's very clearly unwell when Macduff finds out that his wife and children have all been killed that his house has been burned down he's like fuck this shit and he wants to go to war against Macbeth. I think this is where the movie starts to deviate a little bit from the play. And I, I think this is the only area that the, that the movie like very much deviated from the play. I only know this because I saw some other people talking about it. But it is, you know, a good point to note. Um, when Macduff arrived um, to the castle of Macbeth, there is a messenger that comes with them who very clearly just wants to do whatever he can to be on the winning side, um, has zero loyalty, and kind of overall a shady person. He arrives with them and sees the Lady of Macbeth at the top of the stairs in their castle. She's very clearly unwell. She's like in a nightgown. Um and her hair is down which I think it back in those days like when your hair was down and there was like no like twist or like braids or like any accessories it was seen as like you're unkept uh kind of a deal so she's like staring down at him and the scene suggests that the messenger climbs the stairs and pushes her down the stairs to her death to help the next succession of events happen and to help Macduff and the eldest son of the former king of Scotland be successful in their acts to overthrow Macbeth. This act by the messenger is very intentional. Um, I did not mention this messenger, you know, at all in my synopsis before this because it doesn't really play that much of a role until now. Um, and he's not a super important character until now. Uh, but when you watch the movie, if you watch the movie, you'll see like kind of all the little acts he does that pretty much shows who he is as a person. 
um, and how disloyal he is and how he like doesn't really care who's winning as long as he's on the winning side. Macduff and the former King of Scotland's eldest son arrive at the castle and pretty much just start fighting Macbeth. Um, so the former King of Scotland's eldest son starts to fight Macbeth first. And Macbeth is very confident um, that he is going to that he's not going to die, that no one's going to be a threat to him because of the prophecy that the witches have told him um, and have told him that he's going to be the next king of Scotland. He's So Macbeth is, you know, very confident. He's like, no one can kill me, yada, yada, yada. So he's fighting with the former king of Scotland's son. He's dodging all his, you know, attacks and things like that and pretty much easily kills him. Then he moves on to Macduff, who was the person, again, who suspected him of killing the, the former king of Scotland's son in the first place and is successful in killing Macbeth. He decapitates him because Macbeth is kneeling down to pick up the crown that fell off his head, which is very symbolic. Here, Here is where I have some issues with the movie. So, Remember how I had said that the witches revealed to Macbeth that no one who is born of a woman is a threat to him? We come to find out later in the movie that the former Scotland's eldest son was not born of a woman. He was born by cesarean section or C-section. In my personal opinion, I don't think they explain this at all. And I only know that because I watched a YouTube video that explained it because I was genuinely so confused. But I guess it's more explained in the play that the former king's eldest son was born of a cesarean section, which personally, I think that still means you're born of a woman. Like just because you didn't come out the vagina doesn't mean that you weren't born of a woman, but whatever. I guess this was hundreds of years ago. I feel like the the understanding of birth and women was so rudimentary. But anyway, we come to find out at the end of the movie, the former king of Scotland's eldest son was born of cesarean section, and therefore he is the rightful heir to the crown after Macbeth has died. So... We see that he has received the crown that was on Macbeth's head and he becomes king. There is also a little plot twist at the end about whether or not there was a conspiracy with the witches to basically force and or strongly suggest for a chain of event for these chain of events to happen in order to prop up specific people onto the throne. I'm not, I, I don't know, like, I can't really interpret that. I couldn't really interpret that. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what I think about that. I'm, I don't really know if it was valuable to the story, but I don't know. You guys watch it. You guys read the play. See what you think about that plot twist, because I, I personally don't, understand it I think I just I think if it's true it make it does it makes a lot of things that have happened in the play and in the movie not make sense 
So I'm I'm not sure what the point of it was, but I also don't really understand Shakespeare that well. So if any of you out there do understand Shakespeare that well and feel like the plot twist makes sense with the rest of the movie, please tell me. Please tell me because I would love to know. I feel like with his tone and what is it called? Like intonation, incantation, like the the speed at which he said words and the tone that he said words made it so much more approachable. It sounded a lot more like just plain English, even though the words that were coming out of his mouth weren't plain English. Um, I felt like I understood the gist of the movie more because he was the one that was saying it. If that makes sense. I feel like once you watch the movie, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it will make sense once you see it. I also thought that Frances did a really good job, too. Um, she's a great actress. Um, I don't know if I was, like, really into the pairing between them two. Like, it was very hard for me to believe that they were married, um, there's not a lot of, there's not really any physical affection in the movie, and I doubt there is in the play because that's not the focus of the play. But in the movie, like, they did not really have chemistry, in my opinion. And I get that back then, marriages probably were not, or I know were not really about love, first and foremost. They were about business decisions, they were about connections, they were about money. Um, so maybe that was on purpose. Because they just look like the most unlikely pairing ever. Like, they should not be together. Um, so, th I mean, that's, like, one of my few critiques. But I felt like it was a glaring critique. Again, I don't think this story is very easy to understand if you go into it blind. Um, so, personally, I think you should know... A little bit about the themes a little bit about the plot before going into watching this movie because they do not handhold you in trying to understand this movie at all um so that being said let me give you a little bit of breakdown of you know the themes um that i got from this movie number one being greed of course greed of course i mean going above and beyond to have a little bit of taste of power, um, even if that means killing multiple people who you were friends with, who you had personal connections with, who you had professional connections with. Number two, guilt, of course. Guilt and the paranoia and anxiety that comes with it that makes you act outside of your normal self, um, that eats you alive, that um, prevents you from taking care of yourself, makes you act very strangely, et cetera, et cetera. I think there have been a lot of old plays and old um, writings that have emphasized like how guilt can manifest itself uh, physically um, and how in stories typically guilt is, you know, a thumping or a darkness that follows you around that's incessant that never goes away and this is an example of that and number three i think this play does a lot to showcase how you yourself can be the cause of your own downfall through no um fault of anyone else if you don't know yourself and if you don't know 
what is truly best for you. People can come in and suggest some things that are out of character for you. And if you do them, sometimes it will be your own downfall. I absolutely adore how this movie was made. Again, A24, I'm obsessed with them. Um, the movie was filmed in black and white, um, but it wasn't like an old timey black and white. It still felt like kind of modern in a way uh, than other black and white movies I've I've seen. Like not black and white and like this is an old and stuffy thing, but black and white in that we're respecting the time period of this piece and when it was written but clear to that we are producing it and putting it out in 2021. All right, let's get into some audience reviews. We've got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, 87% on Metacritic, and 4.3 out of 5 stars on Google. Somebody said, The tragedy of Macbeth, where shall I even begin to articulate? It is supremely elegant, wickedly treacherous and weirdly lunatic just sit back and behold it's a masterpiece a fever dream in a nutshell one of the best movies i've ever watched tragedy of Macbeth, written and directed by joel cohen sheds all the possible similitudes of a movie and it strikes vividly as a play which is set before you in opulent extravaganza and evocative graphic the movie is shot in monochrome, but trust me, that wouldn't even try to hamper you from being immersed in this magically crafted piece of art that blew my mind and gave me goosebumps throughout. I've always been a huge fan of Shakespeare, and Macbeth is one of the greatest four tragedies he has written, which of which of often proudly takes the credit as his shortest but darkest play. Even though I've seen other adaptions of the same play, this movie will remain as my favorite attempt of recreating the magic fashioned by the greatest playwright ever walked on this planet Earth. Okay, suck his dick a, suck his dick a little more. Anyways, Denzel Washington crowns himself as Macbeth and Francis McDormand performs Lady Macbeth. To watch them together on screen is nothing but ecstatic gratification. The dialogues are written in the original format and it is enunciated with such grace and gravity you can only try not to blink so that you don't miss even the fraction of a, of a second of this movie. Apart from Washington and McDormand's, Alex Hassel extraordinarily plays the character Ross, so does Catherine Hunter as the witches. Corey Hawkins as, Ms. Duff, as Macduff and Mr. Gleason plays the King Duncan. It's not only the casting, everything about this movie is exceptional and I can go incessantly about it. There are monologues, soliloquies, and spiels magnificently written and resplendently performed by the actors. In one of my favorite scenes, the sad Macbeth utters the dialogue, Life is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And my heart shared his agony. I won't ask everyone to watch this movie. If you're new to the dramatic world of Shakespeare, you may fail to take the journey with them, or you may even find the mirth displaced. Nevertheless, this movie has already secured a few Oscar nominations, including the best actor. Watch it on Apple TV, and I should tell you that I had to sleep with someone to watch this movie. But it's Macbeth, and like he said, stars, hide your fire, let not light see my black and dark desires. I think this person sucks Shakespeare's dick a little bit too much, but I agree with what he's saying. Like, it was cast well. I really liked how they used the original dialogue in the play. Um, and 
the direct in the um, director knew what he was doing. He cast characters who would know what they were doing. Uh, sorry, he cast actors who knew who would knew who would know what they were doing, and it was done in a way that pays homage to how dark the play really is. Someone else said. One of Shakespeare's greatest plays brings out the finest work of screenwriter slash director Joel Cohen and his two leads. We might have expected Francis McDormand's excellence here, but it is Mr. Washington's interpretation of, a, of Macbeth that is so surprising because of his vulnerability and a sense of sadness, quality he displays from the start. You wouldn't think this would work, but it does. He shows us how anyone might succumb to the forces of darkness abroad in the land or in our own thoughts or in the impulses of those closest to us. The interracial casting seems appropriate in the stylized art decoration and stark black and white cinematography. The setting is supposed to be Scotland, but the world of this movie suggests it could be anywhere. Anywhere where a lust for power might lead to ruin and self-destruction. For this review, I 100% agree that Joel Cohen did a really great job playing with imagery to add to the themes of greed um, and power and ambition for this movie. Overall, I would give this an 8 out of 10. Uh, I still think the chemistry thing between Denzel and Francis, er, their characters was kind of weird, um, or the lack thereof chemistry was kind of weird. I think they themselves did a fantastic job acting, um, but it was hard for me to believe that they were married. Um, I also think that I should have read um, the play again before watching this movie because I was like kind of confused um and I had to like watch a video myself to understand what the fuck they were saying um I was aware of like the themes and such but I think me reading the play beforehand would have helped me a lot because they again they did not handhold at all in this movie um, but that's not a fault of the movie itself, um, but it's just something that I should have done. Um, but I feel like my experience having a hard time understanding the movie is probably not a unique experience. I think there's probably some some people out there who uh, feel the same way I do, or hopefully I do, so I don't feel stupid. But other than that, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Um, really well done, really well cast. Um, so much imagery, so much symbolism, um, and still relevant, a lot to learn. Some of y'all should be taking notes. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but no, seriously, take notes. Um, but I think it's only available on Apple TV. I think it, again, had a very limited release. I never even saw a movie time for this movie um I know it did come out in theaters but I never even saw that it was in theaters anywhere so um it's on Apple TV do that free trial for I think it's a week um because that's what I did I literally got a, did the free trial for a week watched that movie and then canceled it immediately after um so <laughs> do that if you don't want to pay to watch it um but if you like what you hear um, if you have some thoughts and or if you liked what you heard today go ahead and follow me at twitter at thelma cj um i love 
talking to people about film hence why i started this podcast um i'm working on a new episode for next thursday and so i'll see all my film heads then